Count money, man. Money, Stack man. riches. Trying to told him I'm a beast, bud. What's up, gang? Welcome back to another episode of the Grindcast. Get ready. It's a new day, and we got my man, Cody No Love. What a cool nickname. No Love. What a cool fight name. Garbrandt from OHIO from Ohio, my brother, former UFC Bantamweight champion. UFC debut was 2015, Pro MMA 2012, current record 13 and 5, and won the world title at a young age. How old were you, Cody, when you won the world uh, title? I was 25, 25 years 25 old. 25 years old, bro? Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Sick, ridiculous. You know, I'm I'm uh I have friends of mine and people that I train with that are that are beasts and I see what they have to go through, how much they sacrifice, how much time they put into the game and in their 30 years old, upper twenties and fighting it on a high level, but they ain't a world, they ain't made it to being a world champion yet. So not only, not only is it something that fraction of America, you know, would ever achieve, you know, there's, and I know you were an athlete, you know, wrestler and, you know, sports and all that coming up in, in Eurexville, right? Yes. Yeah. Eurexville, Denison, Dover, New Philadelphia is in the house. That whole area I loved down County, there when, I was, when I was in uh, just starting in the life insurance business, bro. Uh, they put me on road trips down there in the country. And I, and I tell you, you know, crazy people, you know, like you, I could see why you so crazy because I, I you know, I, I grew up in Youngstown, as you know, and, and, you know, fraction uh what they call per capita murder capital at some point of america per people that live there and, and all that and you know there's jokes about you know how dangerous it is and all that stuff it depends on where you go but i'm pretty comfortable and confident anywhere in youngstown and i got down there and it was it was it looked like a place where where you could definitely disappear you know what i mean like if, if yeah. a couple people in the, in the in the country out there don't like you they may yeah. never find your body and I Never. was so nervous, you know, I didn't tell anybody now I'm 40. Yeah. I'll tell you, but I was so nervous. I was more nervous down there than I was in Youngstown in my first week. And after my first week down there, the people embraced me and I, and I fell in love with the area down there to where I started to stay in hotels. And I lived down there for a couple of months because I just loved the, I love the culture of, of the people down there. So briefly, uh, can you tell us, about your upbringing it's been a while since we we had you on the podcast yeah. so give me Thank your you upbringing did. yeah upbringing was good you know what i mean like we we had we didn't have most but we had you know made what we did you know i had a great mother that always put us um our needs our wants our desires our passion um above her own you know what i mean and uh She's the definition of, of, of a mother, you know, um, she always would, you know, make sure we had everything we needed to get this best start that we could, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, you know, she had us young, she had us as a teenager, you know, me and my brother, Zach, were 10 months apart, you know, if the Lord have mercy on that. Shout out to Zach. I love Zach. Yeah. I, I FaceTimed him today. I told him that we were doing the, the cast, uh, the podcast today. He was, you know, he was on that Bobcat on the pipelines down in uh, Dayton, you know, working, you know, doing his thing. So, yeah, shout out to big old Zach. Um, you know, so it, I don't really, you know what I mean, at that age, you don't really know if you're, 
when you're young, you don't know if you're poor or whatever, you know what I mean? I was just trying to live life, you know, you're so, you're so young and, um, undomesticated at that time, you know, what to do. Was your, Uh, how was your, how was your mom when she had you? Let's say that had been like 19. I think she was 18 when she had Zach. Yes. 19 ish. Yeah. She's still a teenager when she had me and Zach, you know, at least they were 10 months apart. So, um, you know, my father what did you would, learn from your mom? What do you think you look at mom. yourself today and you're still young, bro? How old are you? 32. Yeah. I mean, getting there. 32. Getting there. I think I was just having my first kid. I was just getting married to Nat. I mean, I was nice. 32. Good, don't good seem because you accomplished so much young. You right. accomplished so much. It, it don't seem like it's like it's young, man. But 32 is, is uh man, it's, it's so I'm just I, getting I'm started. Sore at 32 mm-hmm. as I am at 40 what what did you grab what did what do you think now at 32 you look back and say all right these are some things that that i definitely know i got from my mom that have benefited me whether it's in your career or in life there'd be so many there's so many um things i learned or grabbed from my mother growing up the way that she she raised us you know what i mean she had to be the mother and the father so she showed us tough love, which I mean, I'm very thankful for for that. You know, growing up in the society that we have now, you know, a lot of these young kids are just they don't get it. You know, they don't understand. They they're they feel entitled to this and that, and they should, you know, things should be handed to them, given to them. Um, you know, so the hard work. You know, I think her putting us in wrestling at a young age really showed us. Like, I love I love the sport of wrestling. Um, you know. To fast forward to, to, to now, I, my son's five. He's in wrestling here at the in Las Vegas at the Gold Rush Academy, um, and watching him train and wrestle, it's a brutal. So he's five years old. He's getting dumped on his head. He's got to get back up, slam the other kid on his head, and it's an hour. You know, then they're doing calisthenics, they're doing push ups, they're doing seal walks, and I can just t- tell on his face. You know, it's it's at that age, it's 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 a grind. You know, and. Uh, Last week he came. He came after practice. Um, he was all pumped. They gave him a singlet. He was he had uh, three hundred, uh, uh, three hundred in the movie three hundred. So out of the warriors and the blood, he was pumped, dude. He's like, Dad, can I go put this on in the bathroom? I said, Heck yeah, let's go. Put the singlet on. So little things like that. I remember as a child too, getting excited for a pair of wrestling shoes or uh, a singlet. Who got you into wrestling? Like my mother. Yeah, my mother. My um, her brother. So my uncle Rob. Um, wrestled so when we grew up we were always at the wrestling matches the football games you know we wanted to be like our uncle you know what i mean we, we thought that was the coolest thing like our grandfather would come out and have that big old video camera on you know filming everything but the wrestling match he'd be over here i mean he would get dizzy just watching those old tapes you know vhs tapes but he was in control of the of the camera so my mom got us into wrestling and that's what i'm saying like the support that what it's given me dedication sacrifice you know, you can't go out and you got to, you know, make weight growing up as a young, you know, as a young kid, you can't go out and, you know, after school, you can't go out and ride your bike or skateboard. You got to do your homework and you got wrestling practice, you know. So um, and then also, too, like when the going got tough, she never let us quit any sport. That's one thing that I'm so thankful. I'm like, thank you for not quitting. ever letting us quit. Quitting. Never let us quit. You know, we would be getting our ass kicked in football, you know, and our coach is. Coach wasn't the best coach, and it, his his son started because it was his son. And my mom was like, "You know what? Like, you you set out to 
that you're going out this season. He goes, if you don't want to come out next season, but you're finishing the season, whatever we did, we were never allowed to quit in season, no matter no matter what. Like, you know, that's one of the things she said. You don't want to go out next year. You don't have to go out next year, but you're finishing. You made the obligation to yourself, to your family, to your team, to your coaches that you're going to show up no matter what, even if you're not starting or if you don't like the coach or, you know, all these other things. Huge is that for your life, right? Teaching you to not quit when things get tough. Not quit. Yeah, exactly. I'm so that's probably the biggest thing, not knowing as, as a, you know, when we're getting, we're on eight, you know, in the, in the peewee football and getting beat by, you know, all these guys, you know, these kids that we go to school with, you know, I'm like, man, this is, you know, we want, in your mind, you want to not, don't want to go back, you know, like that sucks, but she never let us quit. And I don't think that we had that in us. You know, me and Zach were pretty gritty dudes that uh, we grew up and we, we were competitive. We were very competitive. So we wanted to, all right, this week's a new week to, you know, to win the game or, you know, to w- win this wrestling tournament or, you know, things like that. So I would I would say the never, never quit, never letting us quit. Because, you know, a lot of kids grow up and they will quit. Say for kids, the, the, the wrestling is is uh, is brutal and tough, man. And, and uh, I could just tell you, you know, I'm still, you know, you know, I'm still on the mats and uh, I'm not saying I'm a, prof, you know, a pro fighter, you know, like you, but I'm pushing it more than most people in my situation. And I, and I go to wrestling practice and what Isaac will, will say is he says the, the hardest thing is to get the folks that are even in, that are in MMA to want to wanna come to wrestling. They don't even want to come to wrestling because wrestling practice is so damn hard and so bad. They'd rather, they'd rather do, Anything else, all that other stuff than than wrestle because it's nonstop, you know. Non-stop. So I think it's tough for kids or adults. It's just wrestling is is a grind, and I had to humble myself and and admit. And I'm a football lover. I grew up playing football. I didn't start grappling to my late twenties, and uh, man, I t- and I thought football was tough and bred a tough yeah. person, and it does. It but does for sure. I, I think I think wrestling definitely trumps. Uh, what you what gets built inside of somebody that that wrestles long enough uh trumps even in football that's how tough that's how tough that sport is and then the non-quitting yeah, sure. thing i think is is that it's it's funny because you know we got a lot of similarities you know my mom had me at 19 you know similar situation and my mom had the same rule no quitting it's crazy same stuff of i wasn't allowed to quit a sport same thing you said if I didn't have to play the following year if I didn't want to play, but if but if if I started that season, it was a wrap. There was no not quitting. And right. and I've tried to bring that into the business because I think that stops so many people, even in business, from having the success that they should have. Because in their first year, in their first three months, you know, I watch people with talent sometimes give up. And it's not for everybody, yeah. but but I watch people that could make it that should make it tap out in the first couple months where I know if like, man, if they just made it 12 months or if they just made it through the season, they would have had a ton, a ton more of success. Even myself, when I started, I wanted to quit. And my mother, again, you know, if people listen to my business story journey and, and it's about you, not about me, but I'm, I'm just giving the conversation with you of what I get from what you're saying that the listeners could, could, could understand. It's not only about, the fight game, it's anything you could apply this to your marriage, you know, whatever. My, my, my mom, when I wanted to quit in this business, she did it to me again. I was about to quit like three months in. And my mom told me, is there anybody else doing it? And I told her, yeah. And she said, 
cream always rises to the top and you'll find a way and you got the rest of your life, you know, to do whatever you got to, you got to finish, you got to go at least a whole year. And that was the right. whole, and that was the whole season. And, you know, speaking of season in, in toughness. So you, you also, you went from wrestling and I mean, what a, what a great combo to set you up for a mixed martial arts career. So you go from the, the wrestling to boxing. And I think you started out your amateur uh, boxing with 32 wins, 32 and oh, yeah. what, what, what was that like? What would you attribute the success to that people could, could get value from? That's like, they see 32 and oh, they see, I want a world title at 25. What things made that happen that people don't see? I think it just goes back to never giving up, you know, um, and just believing in myself when, you know, the cards were stacked against me. I mean, I'm a small town kid from, you know, York, Ohio. That's we didn't have training gyms, you know, like we didn't, we just, we were just, we just had, you know, passion and, and that, um, mindset of almost being um psycho to believe that you can do this you know when everyone's telling me to do this and no put your eggs in one basket i had two full rides of wrestling and you know when i was there simon i just didn't feel like myself i feel like i was listening to everybody else i never did that i always you know had my own way of doing things maybe it wasn't the right way but i always found the way and it was my way and uh you know i listened to my coaches and my mentors and people that you know truly you know kept me in line, you know, or kept me like, uh, focused and driven, you know, I would listen to them, but at the end of the day, man, like what gets me up and gets me going is, you know, the people that doubt me, you know what I mean? And it's not just to prove the doubters wrong. It's the, you know, if, if everyone was like, Oh, you got this, you're doing this, you're, you're amazing. You're, you, you, you can do it. Would it be that, you know, as satisfying? And, and for me, it's not, no, like I had so many, even my, my teachers growing up, I mean, I, I started boxing and, and wrestling um, at a very young age. Um, and they would have, you know, pull me to the side after class, like, what are you doing? You're getting all these tattoos and you're getting, you know, fighting. Like, you think you can, you know, are you going to make good money out of this? And and for me, it was never about money, Simon. I never, you know, I really didn't grasp the concept of, of, of money until you actually had money, you know. You got um, some. Yeah. Until you got some, then you're like, all right, well, okay, now I understand, like, um, that, but for me, that was never my, my, my driving force. It was to say that I'm the best in the world at something that I loved. And that was fighting, you know, that's what God blessed me with. Um, first of all, the dream gave me that dream, you know, and then the courage to chase it, you know, so many people have these dreams and these ambitions and then they let fear and, and maybe having a little bit of failure or setbacks stop them from you know, the, the, their dream and chasing it. But for me, I always kept that dream near and dear to my heart no matter what i was going through the light at the end of the tunnel was having that ufc belt around my waist because i knew you know what that was going to do that's something i set out to do you know and i look back when i was you know on the the rise of it you know i started my, my first mma fight was 2009 and i didn't win the title until you know to be a world champion until 2016 so a lot of people say, you know, like, oh, it was a, it was a fast rise, you know, because I was in the UFC under two years and won the UFC title. You know, I don't think too many people have done that uh, in their in their life or in the UFC career. Um, but for me, it was like, man, it was I've been I've been at this. I've been at this, you know, um, for for quite some time. You know, 2009, I started. You know, it was my first MMA fight. 
boxing and wrestling long before that. Um, so it wasn't, it was something I always, what made you switch to MMA from, from boxing? I mean, I just think that, um, I love boxing. Um, as you know, obviously I, I fought a lot in Youngstown, you know, on Jack Lowe's cards and Kelly Pavlik's and, um, the, the boxing was great, but for me, I think that the MMA you can be the most primal you can be. You know what I mean? In, in MMA, you can just be. There's more violence. There's a way to finish fights. You can be also more creative as a martial artist. You can do, you know, spinning shit. You can do flying. I mean, just just I real. just fell in love more with extreme, the creativity. More real. More extreme, more real. Just the creativity of all right, I can you know do a flying knee into a double A, you know, just training that stuff together. And that's how I kind of always wrestled. I kind of never had a plan of I'm going to go out here and, you know, set this takedown up. And I just kind of just flowed with it. And that's kind of how that I, you know, fighting for me was allowed to express myself and, and just go in there and not have anything in my mind, but to, to do what I needed to do to get the win. Um, so for me, I kind of just felt at home in the octagon or in the cage when I first got in there. Um, I just felt something that cage door lock and that silence eerie of you prepare for it, but you still don't know the outcome. You know what I mean? Like you prepare, you believe, you, you trust in yourself, you know, you're confident. But until that fight's actually over and, and your hand's raised, then it's like, wow. You know I mean? I mean, that's what the – the whole adrenaline rush from, you know, the camp to the fight day, um, walking in the cage to after the fight, you know, sometimes, man, after a fight, it's hard for me to sleep for a week just because I'm so naturally high off of the adrenaline. And, you know, and and for me, it's setting those, those, um, you know, that's the date of my fight. That's, that's, I got to set, I, this is what I'm doing for eight to 10 weeks. This is what I'm focused on. You know, this is what I'm, and that's my little gift to myself. Usually, you know, I'm, I, I have that, that night of, I can, I can relax. And then, you know, the next day it's all right. When's the next fight? Back at you know, what, what's, 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 what things others, so, you know, the vision you had, but what other things other than, all right, I got a vision of winning, winning the title, you know, the belt, whatever, but you're young. And you're coming up. What what things other than the vision, and the not, you know, but in the believing in yourself, what things were you doing that other people weren't doing? That you think set you apart from a I mean, discipline I think standpoint, sacrifice standpoint, mental standpoint. What what things stick out to you? Things that stick out to me, even before I even knew, like the law of attraction, I was doing that. I was attracting. I was manifesting, um, seeing, you know, Dana White put the belt around my waist, Bruce Buffer come, and I would hear that replay in my mind and and envision where I would be trying to fall off to sleep to get ready to go and have another day of, you know, work, training, the drive, you know, the travel to to the gym. Um, so I think that for me, a lot of it was a manifestation. You know, and believing in and daydreaming, you're driving your car to the to the gym, or you know, you just you're at work. I'm I'm pouring concrete. I'm doing this stuff. I'm like, I know this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. This is what I got to do right now. You know, um, so I think a lot of that is sacrifice. A lot of it is the vision. So it sounds like always the it just the big thing was always keeping the vision, always believing in the vision, always. always keeping that vision. If you don't have no no vision, you have no direction. You don't have any vision. You have no direction. You have no vision. Where are you going? You, you're just aimlessly wandering through this life of whatever. And it doesn't have to be 
sports related or fitness related, you know, career, like you said, marriage, family, all that stuff. Like if you have no vision of like the future, then you're just living in limbo and you're just, you know, and I get it like some people don't, oh, I don't like the, you know, I live in the moment, I live in the present, but you have to also prepare for things and, and visualize things where you see yourself. And I think that's the biggest thing that I always, that I always did was envision myself being a world champion. And um, that's something that got me through those hard training days or long, long travel days, you know, the injuries, the little setbacks coming up too. you know, not knowing when your next cities did you, know, you go through on the come up. Oh man, there's, there's been so many, I mean, I was supposed to turn pro during my last amateur fight and I'm getting knocked out in Cleveland. You know, it was uh, one of those things I was like, that kind of really set me set me back and I was like, man, my, what am I doing? Like, is this, and I remember sitting down with my mom. In, in MMA? In MMA, yes, in MMA. My, so you're, my last you were supposed to fight. turn pro and it was your last amateur fight yeah, in last Cleveland. I'm fight. assuming that's a title fight. No, it wasn't a title fight. It was just a... Uh, just a fight in the regular amateur fight, you know, um, and it just, it, it was just, I woke up that day of that fight and I just felt, I just knew it wasn't, it wasn't my day. You know, I okay. had that in my mind, you know, I felt, I felt it, you know, I just felt drained. The weight cut was pretty rough and amateur. We had to do the same day weigh-in. So I had to weigh in 135 and I should have probably been fighting up to at 45. I had a horrible weight cut. I couldn't even get the IV in my vein, you know. So I went out there, you know, it was good to fight. I'm getting stopped in the third, catching me in the third. Um, but mentally, I was not in that fight either. You know, I just was looking past that fight. You know what I mean? Instead Did you of being turn pro after that? No, I didn't. I uh, remember sitting down with my mom, like, what, what am I going to do? Like, you know, here I am at, how, how was I, 19, 20, 20 years, 19 years old, I think. And, you know, like, you know, she... We sat down and just had a conversation. I said, listen, you know, I went and got a um, coal mine certificate. I was going to go to the coal mines, you know, like this. I was going to settle for a job. And I was like, man, I remember sitting down. I got the the, the call from Console Energy to come and get the, um, you know, interview to, to get hired on. And I was just like, man, I don't want to go. It's, it's not what I want to do. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm settling just – you know, get a, go get a job, and this isn't my passion. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm looking. You know, I'm down down the line. Am I gonna be happy with this this decision I'm gonna make? So I remember sitting down with my mom at at our table, and I said, "Listen, mom, this is not what I really want to do." You know, I was still beat up from the the loss and kind of figuring out what I was wanting to do. And she's, you know, I said, hey, "Mom, I, I truly believe that I can do this." And she says, "You know, Cody, anything you put your mind to." And, and you do with wholeheartedly and, and just with passion and fire and, you know, you overcome it and you always, you always, um, you know, reach your goals. I truly believe that you can do this. And I said, mom, give me till I'm 25. Trust me. Give me till I'm 25. I'll make it. I, I know I will. Like, you know, I was 19 at the time coming off a loss and she's like, you just got to get back on it. She's like, I'll help you. You know, I have a stepfather, Mark, amazing, amazing uh, man as well. Um, you said, you know, we'll help you with whatever you need, you know, and and we're here for you. This is truly what I'm going to do. You have to just, you know, this, like you've always done, sacrifice and just believe in yourself. So right there, that was just a little bit, bit of motivation and, and you know, um, something that truly believed in me from, you know, birth, you know, she was my biggest fan, you know, my biggest supporter. So, so you didn't, so, you didn't, you didn't go pro after that. You took another amateur pro. fight. I took another amateur fight for a title. I went up a weight class at 145. Ended up uh, knocking out Clint Musselman. And then after that, uh, last amateur fight, 
uh, I went pro and uh, for uh, what was that uh, pinnacle fighting championship over in Pittsburgh, baby, you know, so I started my, my professional career in Pittsburgh. That was awesome. You know, like the fans over there are, they're amazing. Again, we had a great, we had great, you know, had Kama over there and Mark Cherico, Justin, Steve, all those guys, you know, on the card, they were training together, you know, chasing this dream. Um, you know, I had my pro debut um, in 2012 and ended up fighting for $500, you know, ended up breaking my hand in half and uh, having to have emergency surgery, not emergency, but surgery the few days later because I figured out it was broken. I went to the Brown Steelers game after my pro debut in my hand. I couldn't what you rooting for in the Brown Steelers game? Bro, I, you know, I wore my Browns jersey over there. Let's and, go. Uh, yeah, in the steel, in the Steelers, um, uh, you know, at their home. And it was snowing at that time. I remember, like, some people were trying to throw snowballs. And I was like, man, I'm like, dude, we might have to, you know, mess some people up. You know, I'm like, then I'm thinking, I'm like, my hand. Like, and that's what, that's what kind of I realized, like, my hand was uh, was jacked right. up. It was the next morning. I was like, oh, man, it's kind of weird. Like, I was like, in my mind, like, you know, someone's, you know, throwing some snowballs at me. I'm going to have to, you know get after him. I was like trying to make a fist. And I was like, oh, I couldn't make a fist. And I thought it was just so cold that I couldn't make a fist. And then days later, I was like, man, I was like, just turn like doorknobs or like little things. I was like, oh man, I just don't feel it. So I went to uh, uh, a surgeon um, and got x-rays and they came back in and the doctor was like, yeah, you snapped, you snapped your bone straight in half. Like, so I had to go. How get long it. were you out? That one was like two, three months. I think I was, I got back right away. Like after the surgery, I started doing like, rehab and the doctor said the best thing for me to do is just break that scar tissue open. So I put the boxing. There's mental battles right there that you overcame right of, of, I went from a loss oh. to a win to a win. It's now I'm set back again. I'm out two, three months, broke my hand. Yep. That's where a lot of people start changing their vision. Uh, oh man. I a loss in a broken yep. hand. Yep. That that's taking a lot of people yep. out of the game right there. Well, I was finally pro. I was like, let's run it. Let's get these wins. Let's get to the UFC. You know, and that's my goal. And then I came back from the hand and I started training. I started getting real dizzy, like real bad. Like we were trying to figure it out for weeks, man. I was getting ready to fight, um, trying to go come back to fight from the hand. Like we were trying to get on that pinnacle cart. And um, then I ended up going to UPMC with Dr. Mickey Collins, um, you know, with the concussion uh, protocol out there in Pittsburgh. And I had a, such a bad I had a symptom of BPV, which is a vertigo and like the crystals were out of my ear. So I went, to, I went there for about three months of rehab and got all everything back in, in line, feeling good. So that was, um, almost 11 months out from my pro debut to my second fight. And then I finally sat there and I was like, you know what? Like, I got to see if, how good I am. Like, I got to stack my talents up against the best in the world. And that's why I went out to team alpha male. I went out to team alpha male. I was one and oh, coming off 11 months layup from hand injury to concussion protocol rehab, uh, went out there and, um, I said, this is it. You know, I gotta, this is my shot to see how good I am. And I was stacking up against, you know, the likeness of Danny Castillo, Chad Mendez, TJ Dillashaw, Joe Benavidez, Lance Palmer, Chris Holdsworth, um, Andre Feely, Uriah Faber, all those guys are out there. They had the top guys in my weight class. And flyweight, featherweight, lightweight, that was the gym. That was the that was the gym, best gym in the world to go at that time. You know, so I wanted to go out there and, and you know and test myself and uh one and oh really didn't know, you know, they didn't know who I was, you know, remember having a talk with Faber um on the last day that I was there and he's like, Hey, what do you want to do? And I said, 
man, I'm going to be a world champion, UFC world champion. He kind of like looked at me like, all right, you know, he's looking me up and down, tattooing, covering tattoos, totally not the alpha male, clean cut um, type that he had on the team, you know. And he's like, all right, man. And uh, he started asking questions like, you know, where are you from? Well, I'm from Ohio. He's like, oh, you know, Lance, Lance Palmer was out there. And that's why, you know, I, I truly wanted to go out there. He was telling me for years to come out. But financially, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, viable for me at the time. Um, so finally went out there and um, met with him. He's asked me, oh, you know, did you wrestle? I'm like, yeah, I wrestled. And he's like, oh, how'd you do? I was like, no, you know, I won state as a freshman. And like his eyes lit up, you know, he's a wrestler himself. So he was like, oh, he's like, oh, really? State as a freshman? I'm like, yeah. He's like, man, you got really good striking and boxing. Um, and I was like, he's like, when can you come back out? And I was like, man, I got to, I'm actually flying out later today. I, I wasn't even going to come to this practice, but I figured I'd get one, one more in before I flew out um because he wasn't there it was his last day that he came in and ran practice so i wanted to you know kind of touch touch base with him so you know i could come possibly join the team how how that all worked and so you uh, just you flew out there yeah flew out there yep and then flew out there um how did you have the so you said financially you couldn't do it then you could do it what changed uh what changed i mean i had to uh, help from uh Nick Morrow, actually, he, he was the owner of the fight uh, fight club. I worked for him at the fight club. I was an MMA instructor. I fought for his uh, Pinnacle Fighting Championships organization. And, you know, we so, spent a lot of time together. You know, he, he must have believed in you. He did, man. I remember, uh, man, he, I always thought that, you know, he was a little crazy, which he was. You know what I mean? Um, but I remember going to, after breaking my hand, he took me to his barber in Pittsburgh. I needed a barber. He took me to the barber. And, he, and every time he introduced me, he's like, oh, you know, this is this is uh, you know, Cody Garbrandt. You know, he works for me, fights for me. Um, he's like, he's going to be world champion. That's, and he followed up, he's going to be world champion. I was like, oh, you know, you know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, cool, you know. Um, but he always, you know, he always believed in me too, you know. And uh, something that we always talked about, you know, like he had a great gym, great training partners. But I feel like I needed more. You know, I needed more. Vision and uh, belief. So you, so you wanted to level up. So that's yeah. that. The, you're like, man, I'm going to test myself against the best in the world. And you, so you force yourself into leveling up and getting into that environment. You, you fly all the way out there just to, to try to get it set up and see if they would take you. And if it, and if it would be a fit right. and the vision is back at, you, you know, back with that vision, you had that big thinking vision the whole time. The vision is what was, what was carrying you. So people on the journey of life, trying to, trying to, you know, the, to, to take the journey of greatness. What, what I'm grabbing from this is broken hand loss, small town whole time. I never let go of this vision. Even never. when things got, even when things got low, I just kept having. And then, the, and then another thing was testing yourself, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, you know, Ohio, Pittsburgh, all the way out of my comfort zone, small town to all the way in this, you know, area of California, completely out of my, my zone with, you know, high level, high profile people. What, what things did you see? What things did you do that you think separated you from one and O to winning a world title that you, you know, you probably were around other fighters, other good fighters, amateur yep. fighters, pro fighters, what separated the, the good from the great to you other I mean, than was, skill, other than skill. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed with, uh, you know, with skill, you know, and talent, but talent doesn't always equal to success. And I feel like what equals, you know, make success is a combination of things, consistency, believing, 
you know, self-belief, you know, because there's going to be so many people even close to you that's going to doubt you and try to tear you down because they don't believe in themselves. So for me, about self-belief, and uh, once I got out to Alpha Male, you know, Team Alpha Male, I talked to Uriah. He gave me a number to get to. I said, all right. He said, I, when I said that to him, I said, I'm going to be a UFC world champion. He kind of looked at me. He's probably had thousands of people that came from all over the world who said the same thing. Tons of people say that. Tons of people, especially to him. You know what I mean? Like he has a gym. He has the in with the matchmakers. He's in the UFC. He 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 grooms these fighters to get him to the UFC. And um, and he's like, all right. He's like, I was one and zero at the time. A year, almost a year layoff. And he said, uh, well, when can, he's like, he's like, all right. He's like, um, when can you come back? I said, hey, let me go home and take care of things. I'll be back in a week. And I'm like, shit, man. I I gave my word. Like I better be back in a week. How am I gonna finesse this? You know, like let's go. Um, so he gave me, he's like, all right, he's like, I had no management, no nothing. He's like, all right, we'll, we'll look after you. You know, he's like, you get the five and oh, we'll get you in the UFC. So right there, lights went off. There's, there's the, the vision. There's the number that I need to get to. That's what I'm focused on. Five and oh, get to the UFC. You know, we flew home, talked to Mick, you know, he, he ran the organization and I was like, Hey man, like, let's get a fight. So I booked the fight. I think there was a fight card like three weeks later. So I went back out to Alpha for two weeks and then uh, had the fight, ended up knocking the guy out, got the money. I had ticket sales. I think I got a thousand bucks that fight, 500, 500 or, or, or something along those lines, but ended up selling ticket sales. A lot of fans and support people, you know, we get percentage of that on the you know local stage or regional stage. So what's stage the most or, amount of money that you've made or at any point, if you want to give anything as far as a fight goes? Oh man, I would say... Um, to today, obviously, was the um, was the the TJ Dillashaw fight in Madison Square Garden. Not too sure. I think it was like two point five uh, for one of the fights, something like that. So, so what people that. see is they see two point five. Everybody's down yeah. to fight. You could get a lot of people to fight for two point five. <laughs> yeah, but 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 nobody wants to make five. So no. so people see five. Pe- people see two point five. But and here's another parallel to life is before you make 2.5 it's it's you got to make 500 you got to make a thousand you got to be willing to do the same things to make a thousand that you that you do to make 2.5 and and that's that's what people uneducated on it are is they say well man he made 2.5 million for you know 10 minutes of fighting or for 15 minutes of 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 fighting that ain't 15 minutes of fighting that like, that's um, that's 10 years of of fighting that's 20 years of yeah. of fighting for not only not only for a thousand but it probably costs you money when you make a thousand based off awesome. uh miles and in gear and trips and sacrifices coaches, painting right? coaches training partners food pt medical expenses like we don't you know in the ufc we have to pay for all that we have to pay for, for you know we have to pay for that injury you know all that stuff you know it's 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 pretty crazy i think but you know for like six years i was fighting for free as an amateur you just fight for free you know what i mean you just get the experience um, took you six years but, to be an overnight success you, you don't it's it don't yeah. happen sometimes you got to be willing to give up in the beginning to go up to the next to the next yeah. level and then you mentioned also people around you this is common in anybody that does anything big anybody that does anything big you have people i had people laughing at me you know coming into the insurance business family friends you know what are you doing you know you did all that you graduated college nobody even graduates from college from over here you're going to work for an insurance company 
you know, for straight commission. I mean, you ain't getting a 401k. You ain't got no guarantees. You know what? People all joking with me, laughing at me, you know, all of that stuff. So I think it's common, you know, to for people that do something big or do something out of the normal. You know, if you're doing normal, everything's fine. As soon as you get off to the off the path to doing something abnormal to greatness, you know, a lot of the the people that achieve greatness or the people that build greatness, people think they're weird. You know, whether it's people that build Facebook or uh, the dude from Tesla, you know, all that Elon Musk, yeah. people that change the world. A lot of times people think that they're weird. How, how did you, how did you block out the noise? How did you handle the people around you that were, that were kind of putting your dream down? Just vision. Just kept my vision alive, you know, back like, to the vision blinders on. Like I knew that my whole life, there was people that was doubting me. You know what I mean? You know, like Deion Sanders says, he he came out the womb, people were booing him. You know what I mean? Like, that's how it is. You know, and I, my mom worked too hard in the beginning to give us a start that she didn't get to have, but our, her children. And that's how it should be. You want better for you. You want your children to be better than you. You want your children to have better opportunities than you. And, um, you know, for me, we go back to like what set separated me from 1-0 to world champion to the adversity to, to, to gain that, you know, um, you know, success was that I wasn't taking no for an answer and I got out to alpha male and I saw the people that were on the team for X amount of years and are still doing the kind of the local shows and wasn't really, you know, progressing in their career because they had distractions. They didn't have vision. We go back to, they didn't have vision of like, all right, they were just, you know, there kind of going through the motions for me. I looked at a few people. There's a handful of people that, Everyone works extremely hard, um, and there was a smaller percentage of people that did every single thing right. And uh, when I went out there, man, there was this this kid, um, Chris Holdsworth was his name. I'm telling you what, that dude was the baddest motherfucker in the gym. I mean, he was everything: striking, wrestling, grappling, um, conditioning, nutrition, sleep. This dude, so I'm like, all right. When I went out there, I saw what he was doing. And this is right before he had the ultimate fighter finale. He ended up winning the finale. Um, I didn't really know too much about him before this because he was on the show, um, you know, and he was getting ready for the finale. And I was like, man, I was like, you know, kind of like, I see how you're training, what you're doing. Like, I'd like to, you know, either 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 pay you or, or you know, come with you on these. Like, you know, let's, let's I want to see how you train. I, I see you are different than – 99% of the people on that team. And um, so I, I buddied up with him, you know, became real good friends. Um, you know, I just went and, and trained with him. This dude was training four times a day, sometimes even more. He was, you know, he wasn't out partying. He wasn't out, you know, chasing women. He was, you know, up in the morning, you know, making his food, his coffee, going to the gym, getting reps in, training, you know, eating, showering, going back to the gym. He'd be at the gym all day. You know, what I mean, he'd camp out. So I was just with him. You know, for you know, four or five weeks, and kind of just. I didn't grow up in a dojo. I didn't grow up balling and you know things like that. Karate, jujitsu. I grew up boxing, wrestling, fighting in the streets. You know, grew up you know pretty tough. Um, I didn't have the per se the martial arts um, background. 
um, like that. Like we we would show up to the gym and we would fight. That was it. We didn't have any like anything like that. But he he grew up groomed into a martial arts. He's a black belt at eighteen under Gracie. Um, so I just kind of followed his lead, man. What he did, and uh, I'm forever grateful for him and allowing me to you know tag along with him and 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 realize and that's what really separated me from being um, just going to be an okay fighter to be a world champion because I saw what the work needed to be done to achieve those goals. You know, like this, this kid from, you know, SoCal that came up here and he has a crazy story himself, you know, um, and the way that he worked and he just got immersed in the training and, and, and believing that he was going to be the best, you know, he had what he was 18 and oh, all finishes, you know, like just crushing it, you know? Um, so, that's I think that's what's really separated me seeing that and being around like-minded individuals that you know believe that they're going to be the best in the world. We're in the same weight class as well. Um, unfortunately, his career got cut short um, due to concussions. Um, he's very successful. He has his own jiu-jitsu academy in, in Sacramento, California. Very happy for him, but I would say that's what really happened. And then obviously being around the, the those guys, Team Alpha, those guys were that's what they wow. wanted to do. It so was, so let me pause hard. you for a minute. So yeah. just the power of of you know not only Team Alpha Male and in the influence, but just like what you're describing and and how much being around the right people can make or break your life. Being around one person, but then you being wise enough and humble enough to say. I want to just follow you and do whatever you do. I, I, anything I could do, if I got to pay you, I got to follow you, whatever I got to do, I want to be around you and do what you do. So you saw somebody that had what you wanted. And then you're like, I want to follow that person around and learn what it takes, what they do. And then what you found out was his level of preparation and uh, discipline is what separated him. Right? Bar none. Bar none. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, he won all the fighter. So I was searching, looking, I was like, all right, this guy, you know, seeing what, what everyone was doing. Some people do this, some people do that. I'm different. I was, I was, I didn't grow up, like I said, I didn't grow up in the martial arts. I got out there. I didn't know how to drill. I didn't know. We just fought. We hit pads. We came in, we lifted, we came in good shape and we fought. We sparred. These guys had systematic practices. We're having wrestling practice on Tuesday, Thursdays, jujitsu practice on Monday and Fridays. Sparring is on Wednesday. You know, I mean, had this every day and practice what we were drilling, you know, punches to take down the workup. Like I didn't do any of that stuff. I was like, wow, like the learning curve and just everything. I just was gifted naturally and uh, very skilled and put my things together um, as, as a fighter. And then I really honed my skill and like things I really like to do, learn how to kick out there. You know, I mean, I kicked in my fights, but nothing like this, you know, and then jujitsu too. Like we didn't have a jujitsu coach. We kind of just all grappled each other and wrestled and boxed. So like, learning jiu-jitsu i mean it was just such i think getting out there i was already so good and then i i learned how to be a martial artist um as far as training and technique and also living martial arts lifestyle like your eye favorite would always say like you know it's a martial arts lifestyle he's like you know you have to you know one more than the person beside you you know you have to sacrifice so much and he i'm coming from that wrestling background to lifestyle when you say so the lifestyle what's the lifestyle Oh, lifestyle. I mean, you can't be going out partying. You, you can't be, you know, you can't, you have to sacrifice. You can't go out, you know, people want to go out and snowboard and do all this fun stuff. And you know, I never snowboard. I never. Done so there, so there you go. So it sounds extreme of like, oh man, I do all this work. I can't go out and snowboard. I do yeah. all this work and I can't enjoy it a little bit. You know, yeah. I, I, I work this hard. I can't go out every weekend a little bit. I'm working hard Monday through Friday. I can't go out every weekend. 
that's the thing. Same thing in life and business, you know, of, mm -hmm. of okay, we try to explain to, to, to people, young people especially, of, all right, you, you got this much momentum. You got this. You want to be great. Now, the separation from amateur to pro or or good to Hall of Famer or good to winning the title is it's a lifestyle. This is not yeah. a job. This is not a Monday through Friday. This is not a eight hour day. This is not one practice. It's what you do between practice all week, what you eat, how you sleep, what you do, what you give up. You can't chase women or men, you know, all weekend yeah. long. If you're a girl, yeah. you know, you can't chase people all week. You can't eat what you want to eat. You can't party all night long all the time. You got to give up all those things, even though you're young. 23, yeah. 24, 22 years old. And I'm sure there's a lot of things in you that wanted oh, to man. do all those things at that time. Yeah. So that, that, that is, I think, critical, uh, to, to success level and explains a lot about speaking of which, you know, being so young, when you won the world title, you know, you receive a certain level of success at 25 years old that nobody gets and, and, and then, how do you handle that? How what do you think you did to handle that well? And what do you think that you did that you look back and I say, oh shit, I could have done this better? What what do you think that would be? Well, you know, I always find my toughest critics, I focus on the things I didn't do well. Um, what I didn't do well after I won the world title, I was so fixated on that goal for so long. What was next? I hadn't had that vision vision of okay i'm gonna defend the title that drove you your whole life that vision then you got it yep and i got it i kind of felt like it wasn't it wasn't what it was cracked up to be like a lot of people around me was like wow wow this is amazing and the things and opportunities i was able to do but for me i just wanted to fight and i ended up getting injured tearing the back I was out another thing almost the whole year but it was different it was a whole percent different I had Book deals, movie deals, all kinds of things that was distractions. I didn't want to do. They want to focus, but I couldn't train. I couldn't fight because I was so injured. So I had a whole year off, and I was just focusing on that whole year off was getting healthy, getting better. But I didn't focus on getting healthy, getting better, setting fights. You know, X, Y, and Z. I was just focused on recovery, rehab. You know, and then once, once I was maybe 70 percent recovered I, they, they landed me a fight they booked me a fight with tj and that was like oh, i wasn't prepared uh mentally for the fight camp things to happen you know in the fight camp um i just i just i didn't feel myself um you know so i said i didn't have that vision vision of getting in there in the octagon um putting myself in those compromised positions um tough tough situations you know i trained as much as i could and my body allowed me to with you know what was going on with the injury i just wasn't fully myself and um i wasn't able to visualize you know i always plan things out visualize i might not have a, a strategy or a game plan in a fight but i visualize the fight a thousand times before i even step in there you know what i mean i could be you know getting beat up 999 times but that one time that i'm you know victorious in that I'm, I'm i'm but i'm preparing myself for the worst preparing myself for the best you know um so i didn't have that you know there's almost went to the octagon just kind of numb kind of like it was so fast i felt like it was my first fight again you know what i mean because i didn't have those focus points 
And, you know, now fast forwarding to present day, last year and a half, I've been out in Las Vegas and working with a, a sports therapist on how to, you know, stay grounded, how to be engaged, um, you know, when you start drifting away, say in training or in the fight, coming right back to where you need to, you know, stay focused. How on much of how much of it? How much of it do you think is mental percentage wise? How much of it is physical? Uh, they always say, you know, the people say 80, 20. But for me, I feel like it's it's all mental. You know, I'm always training. I'm always in shape. You know, Simon, we grew how the way we grew up. You know, someone walks down the street and you're holding, you know, you're walking with your girlfriend guy turn around slaps your girl on the ass you're gonna fight right then and there it's not a it's not a it's a not a physical thing it's a mental thing you know what i mean so mentally preparing uh for these fights are a lot because you have a lot riding you know money you know um take care of your family um you know just just all that what, you know? what have you learned from this uh whoever you said you were working with to stay focused I, and it, it, mentally Micah. Uh, for that? me, it's just uh, his name is Micah. I, I, I'm going to butcher his last name. Uh, great guy, played in MLB, helped out so much. Um, I've learned a lot from him. You know, just about, about being engaged. You know, for me, like, what do you mean being engaged? Like being engaged. So for me, being engaged, like just per se, I'm I'm in the fight. I'm in the fight. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm fighting. I might start to wander. Like, all right, what am I going to do after this fight? What's going? You know, what's or, you know, it's staying right here. Like, it doesn't matter what's going on after the fight. Staying focused. Staying focused. So, you know, like, you're right there. Your your senses are like that. And we have this balloon thing where, you know, the balloon starts to drift away. It's in the rafters. How quickly can you realize that you lost your balloon? It's up there and put it back into a place to where, you know, you need to be that's going to keep you engaged in that moment, you know. So um, just that right there, those mental reps, you know, uh, being mindful. And also um, one thing he always tells me is give you know, being um, the word is uh, like peace, giving yourself, um, you know, having peace with it all, you know, having fun, you know, um, non-judgmental tips on peace any tips on having fun and peace with all the pressure yeah man just non-judgmental you know like if i'm in their training and say i'm not having the best day i'm you know i'm not landing this combo i'm not like non-judgmental reps just for life too like i'm not judging I'm like, all right well okay like i must not i got the body shot came back with the hook like something was a little off you know we'll fix it non-judgmental reps just like in life like all right well i might not be doing everything i need to do don't be judgmental on you're, you're trying, you're doing, like I set out to read. I've been reading pretty um, heavily, um, just finished a few books, jumped onto another book. Um, so I try to get up and read, do my cold plunge, start my day off like that, you know, um, fill my day with, you know, some sort of gratitude, you know, for something, be thankful for something um, that I was given in my life or I have in my life to this day I'm working towards. Um, so that, and then, um, you know, just being mindful, being mindful of, you know, there's clean thoughts and there's dirty thoughts. It's like there's clean clothes and there's dirty clothes. So if you have a dirty thought or a, not a clean thought, you handle. You how do you handle the pressure, man? You know, building up to the, you know, building up to a fight in general, uh, but especially going back to like handling the, the first time you won the title, I, you know, you build up to this my whole life. I'm building up to this. I'm working to this. This is my vision. How did you handle the, the nerves, the walkout, the pressure the night before, like all of that stuff? 
You know, for me, it was just about understanding that you only get a fight once for your first world title. You know what I mean? And just sitting back. Sometimes when I started going real fast, I was doing these interviews, and I was pushing the pay-per-view. It was me and Cruz that was, you know, that sold that pay-per-view because Ronda and Amanda Nunes didn't do any media, didn't do anything. So we were pushing, and I had to do, man, I have to show you this picture. I just didn't post it on my story a couple months ago. Uh, I forget, uh, a reporter sent it to me and said, hey, it's crazy, you know. This is 2016 and the pop that you got at the media day. And there was about 40 microphones and there's me, just me sitting there like, oh, you know what I mean? I walk into some of those things like, holy shit, like, <laughs> oh, this is crazy, you know, the, to, to me. But sometimes when I started getting like that or I started feeling anxious, um, I understand what anxious is with me. Like a lot of times I feel like, oh, I have this anxiety. I'm having anxious from its excitement, it's excitement. But we're always told that those feelings are anxiety. The guy, you know, we want to push, you know, depressant pills or some kind of pill or some kind of medicine you need because that's anxiety that you're having. That's excitement, you know, for me. And and distinguishing anxiety and excitement for me was a lot. I was like, man, I'm having anxiety. My heart's racing. Is that? No, it's excitement. It's excitement for, you know, before a fight, like I'm having this heart pounding. I'm like, you know, getting, getting all stoked out like i was thinking a lot of times that was anxiety but it was excitement for what i'm about are to you go trying to get that. yourself fired up or calm down before a fight honestly man i uh i'm i'm very calm you know until it gets into that to the cage you know and that's when it kind of all that's so staying fever. calm so so yeah, working staying at staying calm we're going to staying calm um you know I mean, i'm pretty uh wear my heart my sleeve type of person so um yeah so what have you done to be uh, able to keep yourself calm any tricks and tips uh for me i usually do a lot of uh like box breathing breath work um you know things that i have a also i have like little dot stickers that i go and i place all over my house my car things that i see and those are focus points you know like all right like i'm going out the door get into my car i see the red dot um, on the wall, my son always says it too. Like, make sure you look at the red dot. And I tell him like his red dot is, you know, being, you know, nice to everybody in his class, doing his homework, being polite to, you know, being kind, you know, things like that. I uh, said, so look at your focus point. What, what are you focusing on today? What you're doing? You know what I mean? And so my, and also my focus point is, all right, I'm going to go look at this focus point. It, it reminds you like, all right, what are you setting out to do today? I'm going to, Today's Monday, so I got, you know, strength and conditioning, then I got PT, then I go pick my son up, give him something to eat, and then we go to wrestling, then I got to go back to the gym. So, remind me to, you know, um, have gratitude in the day as busy it is and as packed as it is. You know, just little focus points that remind you of, you know, what you need to do, what you're setting out to do. How are you doing spiritually? You still on the spiritual journey? Always. Yeah, man, I have a really great pastor out here, Hayden Ratner. Uh, walk church so we go there my son loves going you know he's got a, they got a nice little youth ministry there um so yeah man it's good i've always you know always uh devote myself to the lord and uh you know some some type of way a little bit of my day you know always in my mind so yeah spiritually i feel good um you know i feel honestly life's good um looking the book of fight real soon so i just got some opponents uh texted to me yesterday so hopefully the next few days we'll have the opponent and then we'll find you the date by the so. end of the year. You think you got oh, somebody yeah. by the end of the year? I, I want to fight. December is what I, I spoke to Shelby about. Sean Shelby is the matchmaker. Um, you know, talk to my manager, my team. Um, so yeah, December would be great. Uh, we'll see though. There's uh, a few cards in Vegas. That'd be awesome to fight on um, here back in Vegas. So that's what we're looking forward to. Beautiful.
you know, I, I think um, looking at the the uh, inside of you, you know, a little bit, your uh, boy that Maddox Maple is now uh, a senior in, in high school. Your relationship with him, I think, has been inspiring, you know, to people. How, how did you initially meet that young man and uh, make that, you know, that bond? Yeah, actually, it was from Zach. I was living in Cleveland at the time, but my brother Zach, like, you know, he was diagnosed with leukemia at five years old. And uh, Zach said, hey, man, you're fighting. You should have, like, do do like a benefit for one of your fights, make some T-shirts, you know, uh, for him or wear his T-shirt out because he had this Mad About Maddox T-shirt, you know, and, you know, reach out to Mick, which is Maddox's father on Facebook, and say, hey, I would like to, you know, do this for you guys, um, you know, get a town, you know, as Yerkesville, Denison's real small knit community. Uh, so I like to, you know, kind of get the town involved. Doesn't have to fight alone. I like to meet you guys. And, you know, Mick was, uh, you know, very welcoming. He said, you know, we're, we're in the hospital once we get released. You know, we'd love to have you over to meet and kind of hear Maddox's story. Um, you know, once he was released and was able to, you know, have visitors at his house, they messaged me back and, and invited me over and, you know, went over there and just met Maddox. And I see this kid that's five years old, just, you know, didn't say much, you know, and then he was really freaked out. Not really freaked out, but just staring at my tattoos. Never saw someone probably so heavily tattooed, um, you know, and just to see the look of life and fight that he had inside of him, you know, really wanted me to, you know, push forward and do whatever I was going on through. I, like, I really want to help this kid and get people to support him, you know, to show he doesn't have to fight alone. But what was it again? What was the... What was the ex? What is he? What was his issue? Not Hopkins, leukemia. Uh, Not Hopkins. What is it? Yeah, leukemia. So yeah, he, he had that, and this man, just the story, like, was just was, you know, taken back from it, and just you for know, a five year old now as a dad, you yeah. probably could look back. You know, your son's almost that age. Can you imagine? You know what that's like as a parent. Oh man, I, I couldn't imagine. I mean. Cannot imagine. I was sister that was five years old, you know. So I was putting herself, you know, like if someone was in the town that was could do that or help out, like I would want that for my sister, you know. What I mean, right. so it kind of really stuck home. Now, obviously, that being a father, I just man I couldn't imagine it. So, but you know, here he is being a senior, battled through all that, beat leukemia, um, senior in high school. He plays in the drama. He likes drama. The the drama school plays and stuff we went back a few uh last christmas or yeah i think it was last christmas we went back and was able to catch a, a play of him it was pretty cool plays tennis uh man he's just a he's a great kid you know he's a great kid to see him grow and just flourish and see all the success he's had and just the life he gets to live you know you, you know people look at you from the outside and you know i think you've you know the your, your uh name you know the the nickname the fight name no love and then, and, and then you got all these tattoos, you know, you look, you look like you got released from prison you yeah. know, twice. And, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, you, you, you got that quick temper, you know, persona. And, but I think aside that people that don't know you, you know, may not understand is, is even though the shirt says no love that you got so much love, uh, in your heart, man, you got such a good, uh, good heart. You know, I remember, you come in here and, and, uh, you know, we all wore the shirts for one of the, uh, guys, dad that died, you know, a couple yep. of years back. And then you, you know, taking time out of your schedule, you know, and I, I know what it's like 
not to even, you know, I don't know what it's like to win a world title, but I know what it's like to be home for only a week and everybody pulling me in a million directions and everybody wants me to do something. And I haven't even won a world title. You know, I'm a, I'm a local known face, you know, not a international, you know, known face. And so you come home and, and, uh, you got, you know, I'm sure a bunch of things you need to do and you take time out to drive to Youngstown, Ohio, to spend time with our kids in the youth program, you know, would inspire minds. And, you know, yep. just, I, I've gotten a chance to see your heart, you know, so much, man. And, and what people maybe don't know about you, if you're looking for somebody to root for, you know, as, as a person, as a fighter, but you want somebody to follow that you could believe in the inside of them. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. None of us is perfect. No one listening is perfect. None of the people speaking are perfect, but the heart that you have, uh, is something that I, that I think people need to need to know about, man. And I'm, I'm super excited for your, uh, comeback, you know, and you're, you're so young, you know, you, you got, you had a couple losses, you know, you, I love the spirit in you to just keep, to keep coming. So you, you moved a few times between Bantamweight, Flyweight, you know, divisions is, is there a major shift in your focus between those uh, you know, things other than cutting weight? Man, not really. I mean, I feel like 25 was easier for me to make weight than the last time. Um, just, just a little bit more cardio, you know, less, less red meat, you know, more fish. That's the only thing that really changed, um, in the diet. How much cardio? I mean, I was hitting, I was adding three extra days of just pure cardio where I would go 45 minutes to an hour at a lower heart rate, you know, just to burn the fat. So I was you still adding, rocking them tight spandex with that bike, you know, and that helmet and stuff. Or dude, no? I, I, I haven't biked since like I moved out here. I still got the bike, but uh, I haven't, <laughs> uh, we used to go hard in Sacramento. It was nice to have the bike trail out here in Vegas is a little different. I mean, it's not, I got one for me. This is a personal one that, that I, that I wanted to ask you. And obviously the first thing is you don't be 40, but you know, you, you talk about training three, four times a day and you know, and all of that stuff. How does somebody train that much and still recover and, and find their body, you know, keep their body healthy? Oh man, that's, I think that is the toughest part about this career is um, the recovery. You know, not overtraining, not undertraining. It's that it's it's every fight's different because you're you got a different opponent. He might be a grappler, you have to grapple heavy, or it might be a striker, you might have to strike spar a little bit more. Um, so every fight camp's different. Um, for me, it's just be out being consistent, you know, not let myself get too far out of shape at all. Like for me, I like, I enjoy training, you know, it's, it's something that I, I like to do. Consistency, you know, I might not be in the MMA gym all the time, you know what I mean? But I'm hitting pads, I'm grappling, I'm hitting the, the wrestling, I'm hitting the, the things that I need to do. And outside I'm doing, um, you know, kettlebell classes, hot yoga, like testing myself differently. Um, Cause when I jump in the fight camp, it's, you know, train, eat, sleep, train all the time. So um, I would definitely say the recovery is the hardest because we can't be on any, you know, recovery age. You know, we can't be on steroids or nothing. I mean, there should be a level to where we can at least have, all right, you guys can't go over this test. You know, like some people have, you know, two, 300 tests and you're fighting. It's like, well, you're training. There's no time to recover, you know. So there should be a right. level of test that you can have at a certain age or you can have, you know, and it's your option. Like, hey, if you want to take some stuff to – you know, level the playing field of your test, then you can. But obviously, that's it's more 
higher scientific than than I can even get into. Um, but there has to be some kind of thing. Like as we get older, like our recovery or everything goes down, and then you see the injuries, and that's why you see. I mean, I fought four times in one year at twenty five. You know what I mean? Like that's you know. I haven't, been able to do that. I haven't been able to do that, but it came out of the cost even at 25, tore my back, tore my knee, had these injuries, you know, setbacks. And now it's like, you know, I would love to fight, you know, I think since then I fought twice in one year, you know what I mean? So two or three times a year is good for me, but I had, you know, since moving out to Vegas, I had five fight camps and only fought one time. So that's five fight camps on my body, you know, to the five, fights. five fight three, camps three, and three. only one, one fight. Yeah. And I had so many different opponents, you know, yeah, yeah, twice, you know, pulled out. Then I had um, another replacement. And then Holy Arce ended up tearing his knee in our fight. So I ended up having Jones. And then this last fight, I was, you know, nonstop. I, I had to pull out because my back was, I tore my back and hip again. So, um, you know, so it's like Mario. It's, it just, it sucks. I was, you know, I was just been training, 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 basically in a fight camp the whole time. I had to get setbacks. Adversity and setbacks. Adversity and setbacks, man. Yeah, here we are now. I just went to Marina Del Rey and got some epidural injections two weeks ago. Feeling good. So hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll ink a deal. Uh, we got it coming up at, by the end of the year, right? Next yep. on, you, you'll get something on the schedule, hopefully, by the end of the end of the year. Um, yep. I, I know one, you know, last thing, that, you know, I got for you is, you know, I remember hearing a story about a guy that won a Super Bowl with the Patriots, and it ain't Brady, but one of the guys that played with the Patriots and him telling a mentor of mine, you know, that he was close to that he had the same feeling you had. And he said, man, I was, I was, uh, I was, I was my whole life. I, I built up what it was going to be like to win the Super Bowl. And, you know, we win the Super Bowl and, you know, that whole thing passes and I, and I, I waiting for this feeling, this overwhelming, you know, feeling of, of, joy you know that carries me and he's like man i i i didn't have it he was like it was nothing so then he's like man i i uh i felt like maybe it was it was only because of the one time it was a one-off you know i'm thinking man if i ever get back there again i'm gonna sit back in the back and, and watch the confetti more and sit down and take it in more so they won again he said i did it again i sat in the back and i watched you know the confetti and i, I took it all in nothing again twice so he's like that. That's when I learned, and and uh, he learned that I had to. He had to turn his life over more to to the Lord, and that he understood that there was no no sense of accomplishment, just himself, that was going to ultimately fulfill him internally, other than uh, having his relationship right in in the fulfillment that comes with his spiritual journey in his in his spiritual walk. So this is. I'm not saying that's you. I'm just giving my unsolicited advice to, you know, to anybody listening that, and maybe this don't relate to some people. Maybe some people can need to hear this, but for whoever does need to hear this, uh, I think that is a, a key thing that I've seen with a lot of super successful people in and out of business in and out of the cage is when you build up a moment of something that you shoot for and then you get it and then it's gone feeling like that's going to be the thing that makes you happy, you know, forever. That's going to change, you know, in your heart, in your soul, in your yeah. spirit is, is not that you, it won't be happy for a moment. Not that it won't, that it shouldn't happen. Not that it shouldn't be a goal that you shouldn't sacrifice for it. But ultimately the, the only thing that's going to persevere for life over the long haul 
and bring you joy and peace in, in what you really want and fulfillment is seeking things other than what you're after. And a lot of the times, and at least for me, it's been my relationship with the Lord. You know, I came from not having to having, you know, I stood in welfare lines. You know, I ain't saying I had it the, just like you. I ain't saying I had it the worst. A lot of people had it worse than me. I was blessed to have grandparents and, and my grandfather was a steel worker. My grandmother cut hair. My stepdad was in the United Auto Workers Union. You know, my mom worked at the mall, started out minimum wage. Everybody pitched in and gave me some opportunities that otherwise people around me didn't have. So I know I was blessed in that way. And a lot of people had it worse. But I do do know that our car would stall out. Uh, I do remember having a paper bag, you know, uh, in the window, trash bag in the window because our window wouldn't roll up in the rain. And, and, and having beat up Chevette's, you know, for a thousand dollars, you know, we would buy with the club on it and cars getting stolen out of the driveway to driving a Rolls Royce and selling a house for $11,000 to, to selling a house, to move into a different place that, that we sold the house for over a million dollars. And, and I could tell you, none of that has brought me the joy in the peace in, in the true fulfillment, like being a father and like like having a relationship with the Lord, trying to impact other people with the influence that I've been given in the platform that I've been given. And, uh, you know, I just, I just want to tell you that I'm, I'm proud of you, man. And, uh, I'm grateful that you would take time out of your day and of your schedule, uh, to be on here with us and inspire other people, um, rooting for you. And, and, uh, I, I don't want to say I don't care, uh, because I do care. That's your life. That's your job. But I don't really care other than the fact that you care about what you're doing uh in the in in the fight game uh i love who you are man and and i know what you've came from and what that symbolizes you know at some point we're both going to be over 50 and at some point we're both going to be over 60 lord willing and Mm -hmm. and you can only do what you do for so long and so you're more than a fighter you know the the what you've what you've done from where you come from and the story that can be learned and the wisdom that can be shared with people and the lives that can be impacted uh, from your journey of perseverance, man. I'm so proud of you. And I know you're still in the midst of writing that story. I know you've already written a book, The Pact, but I know that you're still in the process of writing your life story, man. And and uh, we support you. I'm excited for you. Is is there anything, you know, I those of you looking to follow Cody, if you're looking for somebody to follow, man, let's, let's get behind Cody. Cody, uh, your, your IG, is it your IG at Cody? No love. Yeah, Cody, uh, underscore no love. Yes. Instagram. Cody underscore no love, uh, who does have a lot of heart, uh, a lot of love in his heart. Check out his new no love shirt collection in partnership with full violence. Uh, nice. if you haven't already picked up his book, I mentioned, uh, the pact, uh, Cody, any, anything else that we could for people that want to connect with you would know how to find you or anything else you got going yeah. on that can help people. Yeah, just find me on Instagram or, you know, I got the Facebook page, Twitter, and you know, hopefully they grab something from this, uh, you know, podcast. I know I do. I love tuning into your, the Grindcast. You know, you've always been a great mentor to me. Always, you know, shoot those random texts about, you know, life and, you know, I am about career, nothing, you know, it's about, you know, some, some, some scriptures. And um, so I really appreciate who you are as a, as a human, how giving you are. Um, you know, you, you say thanks for taking the time, but thanks for taking the time to have me on after the fight. 
you know, I'd love to come in and, and do one in the studio. So that'll be a, that'll be a good one. Uh, you know, so Heard it, Josh is coming to coming to the studio. Let's let's, let's feel, do it. I, I gotta bring I gotta bring my best suit out though. I can't be looking like a chump besides you and that. I wanna I wanna I wanna get some time with you uh to work out or hit the mats too. I, we got we got a cold tub getting into the house, sauna, steam room, right. Right, all of that. Go. All of that stuff. So let's get this, let's get this win and then uh let's 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 link up in the next couple months. Keep me posted. We'll do, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Grindcast. Cody, no love. Get ready. It's a new day.